Today's advanced training. Eight steps, a leader's guide to success. It has been uh, four, three years, three years, 2017 since I taught this, uh, the eight steps. I originally learned the eight steps when I was about 17, 18 years old. I believe the first time I heard it, I was in the War Memorial Auditorium in Greensboro, North Carolina. I don't remember who was on stage teaching it, but there was 20,000 of us in the Coliseum, and I heard this guy teaching the eight steps. And, uh, and later on, my good friend Andy uh, wrote the book, The Eight Steps to Success, Simple Steps to Succeed in Business. Uh, I highly encourage you to read it if you're a new agent with us. Uh, it's one of the first books that you should read. Um, matter of fact, on the Fitz Group Agent Orientation page, this book is there. If you just click on it, it'll take you to where you can order it. Uh, I think a lot of times new agents coming on board, we're sending this book to them. Uh, this is a foundational book. And, and really, I think these eight steps to success, they, they, they permeate all of life. Like it goes beyond just this business. Uh, but uh, what I'm going to do today is give you my commentary on the eight steps and really uh, more so than just uh, your average person. Uh, my talk is for the leaders among us uh, and what this looks like for them. So the eight steps, the eight steps should permeate every area of your life. Uh, what's step one? Personal use. Step one is personal use. Step one, I mean, with us, that means, you know, step one is you buy your own product, right? And we're going to talk about that in a second, but uh, this should permeate your life too. Like I believe uh, in personal use at home. Right? I've been married 21 years. I believe in personal use there. I don't believe in using somebody else's product, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense? So it should permeate every area of your life. Uh, people would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. You can say that you're doing the eight steps, but does your life live it? And can people witness it? Uh, would What you do speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. Uh, teaching the eight steps should be the lesson that supports how you live your life. You shouldn't be teaching the eight steps and going through it like, oh, well, this is a good one. Maybe I'll try that one. It, sh it should be, here's, here's the eight steps and here's how I do it. Here's how, what this means. Here's, this is what it looks like for me when I'm doing this step, okay? The eight steps are our code. I think of code. I think of like a few good men. It's a code we live by. God, uh, country, Marine Corps, you know, like that's, that's, the code that we live by. So let's jump right into step one, personal use. I already gave that one away, didn't I? So as a business owner, integrity begins with knowing, believing, and investing in the products and services that you offer. Now, um, uh, this week and next week and in coming weeks, I talk a lot about business ownership mindset, and I've got some specific teaching coming towards, uh, coming for that here uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. Uh, but business as a business owner and it's, and it's not just business owner but if you are um well i got a friend that is a part owner and general manager of toyota of dallas and i remember sitting with him one time and i was like hey man uh, how many of your salesmen drive mercedes he said uh none that work for me <laughs> like if they pull up in a mercedes they're fired he said another one it's, it's toyota or lexus if you're going to work at toyota you know at, at my dealership he said, unless they work on like the used car lot. And if they bought something off the used car lot, then we'd give them grace on that. Like if they get an F-150 truck off their used car lot, that's okay. I said, well, why can't they drive anything they want? He said, because we sell Toyotas. 
like he just looked at me. I mean, he looked at me like it, it, it's a no brainer. It, it's because it's, this is what we sell. And if, if you're going to be selling this, but you're driving something else, well, that, that's saying to the customer that you don't actually believe in the product that you're selling. As a business owner, integrity begins with knowing, believing, and investing in the products and services that you offer. Agents learn the whole process by buying their own policy. What a great training tool. When an agent comes on board with us, I hear Bruno do it all the time. We call it My First App. We actually walk an agent through writing an app on themselves. Now, we're not trying to sell a $20 million IUL uh, to that new agent. Usually, it's something really small, like $15, $20 a month, something that's not breaking the bank. Uh, but it, it's a way of walking through the application process, the quoting software, how you turn it in, how pending works, how, how the commissions work. Like you learn the whole cycle, not on a stranger. You learn a whole cycle on you. Hopefully you give yourself more grace than maybe a stranger potentially does. We've had agents in the past come on board and say, hey, Fitz, can you give me a sample policy that I can take out in a home to show people what their policy is going to look like? I go, yeah, we can get you a sample policy. First, let's run the sample software and get a sample quote. And then we're going to fill out a sample application on you, just using your information for sample purposes only. And then we're going to send that in to Melissa so she can process that sample, a sample process. She's going to sample uh, process that application. And then we're going to turn into the insurance company. The underwriters have agreed to sample underwrite uh, that application. Uh, when they approve it, they're going to send you a sample policy. And oh, by the way, just as a side note, we're also going to give you some sample commissions. And uh, if you happen to sample die, uh, your family is not destitute. You get the point. Uh, it's not really a sample, uh, but uh, it's, it's uh, really inexpensive to get your nice sample, maybe 20 bucks. All right. Objections that an agent won't overcome to buy their own policy are the same objections they'll struggle with with clients. So we have agents that'll say to us, well, I can't afford it. Well, that's exactly the, the objection your client's going to give you that you can't overcome. Or I already have life insurance. Well, that's the exact example that your client's going to give you that you can't overcome. Why did Britney Spears lose her huge contract with Pepsi? You know, I, I always thought it was because she got caught drinking a Coke. Um, and, and just recently I found out, I, I, think that, I, I think that's one of those urban legends. I don't know if that's 100% true. To me, it was even worse. She bought Coke stock. <laughs> she didn't get caught buying a Coke. The, 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 the company that was paying her $40 million to endorse their product, she bought their competitor's stock. I hope that stock paid off because she lost her contract. Uh, as a leader, we cannot stand by and allow our agents to make decisions that we know will hurt them. I, I don't, uh, you know, we've had agents push back and say, I don't want to do this first Apple myself. Okay, that's fine. Nobody's forcing you to buy a policy on yourself, but I also can't stand by and watch my kids intentionally do something that's going to hurt them. And, and, and when an agent comes on board with me, I see them as one of my children and I'm not going to, I can't, I can't do it. So know that when we're encouraging you to write an app on yourself, it's coming from a really pure place. If you just absolutely resist, I'm not going to make you. You're not actually my kid. I can't you know, take away dessert if you don't do it. Um, but uh, I just really want you to because I don't, we've had agents die and sometimes they die, <coughs> excuse me, and their, uh, their loved ones contact us and say, hey, was there any life insurance in place? No. We've had agents die and they come back, like the loved ones come back. Were there any life insurance policies in place? Actually, there were five. <laughs> That's a much better conversation. I feel better about it. Step one. Moving on to step two. Work. That four-letter word. Opportunity is often overlooked because it's disguised as work. I think Mark Twain said that. It's, it's, uh, uh, it, looks, it looks like coveralls. coveralls. Um, 
People will call you unbalanced. Balance is a fallacy. It's a word that mediocre people created to justify their mediocrity. Oh, that one's tough. Uh, people, it's been a conversation in, in, in the workplace for, I don't know, since 1980, early 80s of work-life balance. And people want to know, how do I balance work and life? Well, you can't balance work and life because work is part of life. You can't balance those two. They aren't, they aren't the two similar things that could be balanced. One is in the other. How do you balance that? Um, now, I, I will say that what I have found to find what you may call balance in my life, I feel like I live a pretty balanced life. I think a lot of outsiders may say I'm imbalanced. Uh, but for me, what I found is I make my priorities, I make sure my priorities know that they are my priorities. I make sure, like I dedicate time to them and, and to those priorities. My business, my staff knows that I think of them as a priority. My wife and my kids know that I think of them as a priority because they have a priority in my schedule. Does that mean I have balance where I'm the coach of every team and, and I'm the scout master and I do, I, no, I, I just can't do everything. The, the, the fight that I'm fighting for my family demands that I say no a lot, but I have to say yes to very specific things. Work hard at the smart things. Work smart by prioritizing your time. IPAs, income-producing activities, and WPAs, waste-producing activities. Make sure you're identifying what's what. I mean, if you've got X amount of time in your life, if you've got five minutes in, in, in left in your life, are you going to do income-producing activities or waste-producing activities? Now, income, well, fits. if I've got five minutes left in my life, I'm not really worried about making another dollar. No, but what about the return you get for investing that last five minutes with a loved one? That's income producing. Don't think of income as, as dollar bills. That kind of, to me, that cheapens income. That income to me is time. Income to me is, is emotion and love. It's not just the dollar bills that flow in. Income producing activities include education, cash flow, and building. Now flip it to discover which consume the most time. So I, I, it, it, people say, well, I'm doing income producing activities because I'm studying. I'm, I'm, I'm reading a book. I'm listening to an audio. I'm watching that podcast, that video. That, no, that's, you shouldn't spend 40 hours a week on education. That makes you a student. <laughs> it doesn't make you a business owner. It makes you a student. Now, so that's how they should go in your schedule, though. Education, you should put that in your calendar first. And then cash flow, which is the sales, the, the dials and the appointments. That needs to go in your, your schedule second. But then building needs to go in third. Now, listen, if you want to build an agency, you need to spend more time a week building than you do personally producing. Whatever you dedicate the majority of your week to is what you're going to end up producing in your life. And, and there's nothing wrong with being a great personal producer at all, unless what you want to do is build a business. So I wanted to build a business. So I worked really hard. I was really focused and diligent on, on making sure my personal production could be done in this amount of time so I could spend the rest of it building. That's why I only had to do it for four years. And then I spent the next 16 and a half on the building side only. Monitor your performance. How else do you know that your work is producing fruit? Monitor your performance. This is where we say tick marks, man, write down your tick marks. We've come up with a fancy activity tracker spreadsheet so that you don't just have to, you don't have to kind of mash your paper together to see what the numbers look like and punch it into a spreadsheet and it'll tell you what your numbers look like. It'll show you what the trends are. But if you're not monitoring your performance, how do you know if you're doing good? How do you know if you're doing bad? That, to me, I'm, I'm one of those parents that my four-year-old, I track the score of their soccer game because that's why you're playing. It's a game. It's got a scoreboard and you need to know whether you won or lost. And I don't think it benefits my four or five-year-old or 15-year-old, 13, I don't have 15-year-old, but 13-year-old. I don't think it benefits anybody to get a 12th place ribbon. You need to know in life that sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And, and that's why I like tracking it because when I lose, I want to get better. And when I win, I want to do that again. It's a good feeling. 
when you are standing around is when you'll get into trouble. <laughs> I remember my mama saying that to me. Is when you just stand around, son, that's when you're going to get in trouble. Commitment to continuity breeds emotional stability. I don't remember where I first heard this quote, but it's been a quote that I feel like um, has been um, one of these things I, 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 I chew on a lot um, and think about a lot and really try to dedicate to. Commitment to continuity breeds emotional stability. That's where we talk about not being too high, not being too low. What I know is that, that when I get up in the morning and I have my routine and then I go to the office and I work, or maybe it's a travel day and I, I have my routine of I get up, I get dressed, I get in the truck, I go to the airport, I go through security. I always go buy a bottle of water and when I get through security, I fill up my little canteen with it and throw that bottle away so I can keep my canteen. Like I, I have this routine and I, I've been told by my wife that I'm incredibly predictable. You're incredibly predictable. I know, isn't that great? Like you, I don't have a second family in Utah somewhere. Like when I get off the work at the office, I'm coming home. I'm not going to somewhere else. You, it's, I like being predictable. I like people knowing where I am. I like that the people who are following me know they can, where to find me. They can look out front and there he is. I'm challenging you that if you're a leader that wants people to follow, you need to put yourself out front there and put yourself in a place where they can see where you are and can follow you. Step three, listen. What? <laughs> Sorry, it's my own little personal joke. Successful individuals listen to what their partners are telling them, to what their customers are saying, and to what other successful people are doing. I don't know. I, need to, I don't need to explain that one. That was a pretty long sentence. <laughs> Communication is 7% words used and 93% everything else. Don't just listen to the words. Listen to how it's being said. So this is, since communication is 7% words used and 93% of everything else, if you're communicating with your clients, if you're communicating with your agents, if you're communicating with your family, and it's predominantly with texting or emails, you're missing 93% of the communication. Okay, and I, I, listen, I'm one who does a lot of texting. I text agents, I, I, I use our Slack channels, I, I, I even text my wife and that sort of stuff. But if all I did with Heather was just text, we, well, we wouldn't have three kids. <laughs> you know, it would be difficult. There's 93% is everything else. So when you are communicating, keep that in mind. What your face looks like, uh, resting B face, it's a, it's a whole YouTube video. Just go Google, go YouTube that one. Uh, it, like, I was told in a, in a meeting one time, it was a leaders meeting, there's about seven or eight of us, and one of, the, uh, one of the consultants in the room later told me, he said, you know what, you look like you were pissed off in that meeting. I said, no, I, was, I wasn't mad, I was happy. Like, I was just, I was listening. Like, when I listen, this is my face. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm focused. Sometimes my brow is furrowed, you know, it comes together in the middle, and I, I, I'm really intent. Well, I, now that I know that people look at that and go, well, Fitz is mad. I know that I need to raise my eyebrows a little bit more and intentionally smile, maybe nod a little bit. And, you know, occasionally I'll act like I'm making a note. So it looks like I'm listening, you know, like th that's, that's 93% of everything else is all that little stuff I just described, letting them know that what you're, that you are listening to what they're saying. Listen to understand. So many of us speak to be understood as opposed to listening to understand. That's a big deal in clients. I mean, I, I use this example all the time. It's an extreme example that I've seen happen, but a lot of agents will go into a home and they're really excited about index UL policies and they're not listening to what their client is saying. They're just trying to push that index UL policy. And then they, maybe you've come in behind one of those agents and you listen to your client and your client really needed an accidental death and you walked out of there with a happy client and a sale. 
as opposed to what that other agent walked out with was maybe, maybe they got an app, but it canceled because <laughs> that's not what the client wanted. Be on the front row. You will pick up on things that you would otherwise miss. It's important that you're as close to the action as you can be because 93% of communication is nonverbal. And so if you're, if you're listening to this right now, maybe you're uh, listening to this as you're driving down the road later, or maybe you're in a car right now listening to it, or maybe you're listening to the podcast later on this, and you're just hearing, you're missing out on so much by not being on the front row in that talk or, and, and catching and capturing all the communication that's happening besides the audio. Stay focused. Man, I know when I go to a conference, man, I, you guys maybe have predicted or picked up on it. I, it's really easy to distract me. I mean, I'm easily distracted. So I, sometimes I really have to focus in. Sometimes I, I look at a speaker and I just focus in on a point on their face or something. If I'm real close to them, I don't want to be so obvious about it. But if I got a little distance on me at a conference or something, I'm just, I'm going to focus in on that earlobe or something that, you know, just watch that earlobe, the whole talk. It, I find in it, it, it puts the blinders on and zeroes me in on what I should be focused on because it's really easy to distract me. Make your car a rolling university. You need to listen to audio all the time. Uh, a, a lot of times, I mean, every time my, my family gets into my truck with me, immediately a podcast starts up. I'm like, hang on a second, let me just stop that because they don't want to listen. I listen to podcasts at 2x and um, it makes everybody else a little agitated. Step four, read. A wise man once said that the secrets of the universe are stored in libraries and that only an elite few could access. With access to these secrets, the elite few dominated the world. It's, it's, uh, reading is such a big deal. You know, anytime, anytime in world history that a population has, uh, where leaders have tried to, to dominate a population, to control a population, the first thing to do is take away the ability to read. I mean, think back to the legendary book burnings that Hitler did in World War II. You can think back to our own American history where slaves weren't allowed to read. And if they, they, if, if they were caught reading or if it was discovered that they could read, they could be killed. They could, they could be put to death for that. Why? Because the fear of the weak leader is that if you learn the secrets, you may be smarter than them. That you may rise up now that you know the truth. That you, that you may actually, with your truth, set yourself free. Literally, in some cases, in slavery, right? So, but if you don't read, you're doing it to yourself. If you don't read, you're, you're allowing that, that, that analogous master to control you. Only it's you that's controlling you. It's you that's keeping you dumb. It's you that's keeping you uninformed. Why would you do that to yourself? Because I don't like to read, Fitz. I don't like being stupid. <laughs> so you have to kind of weigh it out. Which do I like more? Which do I like less? Well, I like, I, I like reading more than I like being dumb, right? I, I, I like helping people more than not. I like living in a house more than being homeless. So I read. Do I like reading? Not really. <laughs> I read over 100 books a year. It's not something that I just wake up going, I get to read today. Like That's not the joy of my life, okay? But I do it because I don't want to be dumb. I joke, but it's not a joke. When I first met Heather, I realized in my mind, how much better she was than me. And so I started working as hard as I could to measure up in my own eyes with her. Does that make sense? And I hadn't stopped working at that. Like I still think, gosh, she's so smart. Why am I so stupid? <laughs> like I got to get better. There's got to be another book out there. 15 to 20 minutes a day will change your life. It's a gradual change, but it will happen. And that change begins to affect the world around you. 
when you are a reader, it's easier to become a better coach. You could forcibly tell someone how to change or you could have them read a book. You, you could tell them this is what I think or you could say this is what John Maxwell thinks. You, you, it's always better when you have that third-party verifier. If you don't have that third-party verifier, then there's a problem. Now, I will say on this whole reading thing, I just recently read a study. There's, I'm a contextual learner. I do better when I have context around me, like I can feel the paper. I do better, but I have a lot of digital reading I do. I also listen to a lot of books. Uh, on audio, and I usually combine that with the actual book itself, so I don't lose my place where I'm at. Long story, we'll talk about another time, but um, I recently was reading a study that that reading the actual book versus listening to the actual book, that the results are, are there's not a major difference between the results. It's, it's not, it used to be said that you had to read the book, you couldn't listen to it on audio. I think that was a study put out by book publishers as opposed to the audio publishers uh, because the actual independent studies now say there's not a lot of difference in who learns. If you learn better by listening than you do by seeing, then maybe you should listen to the books. Page 84 of the uh, Eight Steps book, that's, that's the book list. People ask, what book should I read? Well, go to the eight steps book, go to page 84, start reading through those books. Once you're done with all those books, ask me what you should be reading. Step five, attend all meetings. Meetings, attend all meeting. <laughs> Typo. Meetings and conventions trick business people into making money. I've, I've spent, I don't know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars going to conventions. Um, and uh, it's, it's a way of tricking me into learning what other people are doing. It's a way of tricking me into meeting other people who are doing it uh, and making those connections. And maybe those connections don't mean anything today, but maybe they pay off four, five, six, ten 10 years from now. Who knows? Um, it's it's uh, important to attend. Uh, it is also means to networking and learning from others. Attending meetings generates enthusiasm and motivation. It initiates questions. I, I've, I've been doing a lot of group calls lately on training and I've had people comment in these group calls. I didn't even know to ask that question until that person asked it. And now I'm, Oh man, I didn't know I should ask that. I didn't know that's a problem I'm having. I didn't even know I was having that problem until I heard somebody else talk about that problem. When a person attends a meeting, he is sending a message that he wants to be part of the organization. If somebody wants to be part of the team, they got to show up to practice. <laughs> It's not complicated. If you're not showing up to practice, what you're saying to your teammates and to your coach is, I don't really want to be part of this team. Meetings, and when I was a kid, that meant you didn't get to play. <laughs> Meetings allow you to use all your senses to learn. Now, I, I, when I go to a convention, like an alliance convention, my senses are usually a little bit on overload. Uh, there's a lot of sensory stuff going on. There's, there's music, there's lights, there's, there, it's just, oh, it's all so much. So again, I have to kind of focus in because it, it gets to be a little overwhelming for me. If you're like that, just, just focus on something rather than trying to take it all in. The people who attend all the meetings refuse to complain about them. It's only the people who refuse to benefit from meetings who complain about them. The only people who complain about meetings are the ones who don't go. The people who go, I mean, rarely do we hear somebody say, man, I went to that convention. It was, I'm so disappointed. I got nothing from it. We don't hear that. We only, we only hear that from people who didn't go. Like, you guys have another meeting? You didn't go to the last five. What do you care about another meeting? <laughs> That's what I want to say. Maybe I just said it. I don't know. Your group attendance to meetings is a key pulse to measure the strength of your business. Don't be head faked. Your group attendance. Now, I've got a video out there on our website called The Four Pulses to Measure Your Business, to measure the strength of your business. Uh, one of the pulses is how many people do you have in your organization attending meetings on a regular basis? So go check out that video. Come early and stay late. 
what I have found in meetings that I've, that I've been to in, the, in our industry and, and outside of our industry is there are certain people who show up early and there are certain people who don't leave until you're kicked out. And those are typically the people that you want to be around. Those are typically the people that know that extra stuff. The ones who, the employees who show up, you know, right on time for work and leave right on time for work aren't usually the ones who get promoted in corporate America. It's the ones who come early to work and stay late for work that get promoted in corporate America. Well, it's, it's not just, I mean, we're not corporate America, of course, but it's true here. You want to get promoted, you got to put in a little extra effort on either side of that time. Step six, be teachable. People overestimate the power of a few words from a coach, but they underestimate the power of ongoing coaching. I have people that will coach, that will schedule a coaching conversation with me once a year, <laughs> twice a year. I don't know if they're just expecting me to kind of parachute in with rainbows and unicorns and fix their life, but it's really hard to do that. And, and I don't know where you stand in, in, in your faith beliefs and all that sort of stuff. And if you know me long enough, you'll know I'm not super preaching. I don't try to shove what I believe down your throats, but let's look at history. Let's look at facts. There was a man named Jesus who lived like 2000 years ago. He had 12 people that followed him uh, that were his disciples. One of them was an absolute traitor, turned him in to be murdered, right? To be assassinated, to be killed. And, and today there's still a couple billion people that follow this man, Jesus from 2000 years ago. So those are all facts. I'm not getting into the faith part of it. So whether you believe it or not, all that stuff really happened. How did he do it? That's what I want to know. He spent time with 12. One was a traitor. So 11, they pull one in to replace him. How did he do it? They spent like three years solid with each other. They knew each other inside and out. They knew how each other's flavor smelled. I don't know how I said I didn't want to say fart, but then I just said it. Like they knew all that stuff. That's, that's kind of crass fits. No, that's not crass. That's when you know somebody. Like I, we know our kids. We know which one just farted based on how, who, who did it. Because we spent time around it. And we know, oh my God, roll down the window on that, right? But, but, but people, people underestimate the power of that ongoing coaching. They underestimate it. They think that if, oh man, I'm having a real serious problem. My life is upside down, topsy-turvy. I'm going to have one coaching conversation with somebody and it's going to fix everything. It's not. People change when they want to. Being teachable means that you are willing to change fast. Build your organization with people willing to change fast and you're going to look like a genius. More importantly, you'll grow faster. I, one of my favorite quotes by Lou Holtz, he said, you want to be a great coach? Have great players. <laughs> It's not complicated. He, he set his teams up to be great by recruiting great players. Great attitude, great ability. That's how you have a great coach. You can't take a superstar coach and coach a bunch of turds to a Super Bowl. It just doesn't work like that. I mean, right now, my, my beloved Tar Heel basketball team sucketh. And recently, the coach said, this is the worst talented team I've coached in 30-plus years. I read that, and I was like, you recruited them. <laughs> it just, you just said how bad you are getting at your job. Don't do that. Get the good ones. And then when they succeed and it makes you look awesome, like you're going to look awesome because you had good people on your team. With constant correction and guidance, you constantly correct your course. Learn as you go. The biggest impediment to becoming teachable is the influence of other people. The voices that we hear in our ear, the, the voices that we're listening to, which voice are you listening to? The biggest impediment to becoming teachable is the influence of other people. There are people who say, you're acting crazy. You're going to that conference again. I can't believe you're doing that. You're, you're going to that hotspot nighttime meeting. Why are you doing that? People are going to pepper that. Listen, those voices in your ear are since the beginning of time. <laughs> Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voices, and now we're all walking around with clothes on. So, like, let's... <laughs> 
<laughs> you you got to choose well the voices that you're listening to. And some of the worst voices to listen to are from people that love you the most. And they think they're trying to help, but they're not a lot of times. Be teachable. Don't think you're too smart to learn and don't think you're too dumb to learn. Don't think you know it all and don't think you're incapable of learning. Everybody can learn. Now, I don't care how smart you are or dumb. Step seven, be accountable. First time I heard this, this is, uh, I was 17 or 18 years old in War Memorial Auditorium in Greensboro, North Carolina. I swear I thought the dude said a cannibal. I got to eat people? Like, I don't want to, I can't, I can't. And then he went on, like, it was probably 10 minutes into talking about being accountable. That I finally understood what he was talking about. I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. So being accountable means that you do what you say you're going to do. Show up on time. I'm going to be there at 10. Be there at 10. If you can't be there at 10, then don't commit to being there at 10. Being accountable requires being committed in all areas of your life. Not only must, must you work, you must also prepare for work. I, it's, I think that you might be shocked how the top producers, how much they prepare and how much over time they've prepared for appointments. And they, they, they study products. They know it. Like there's a reason that we can ask top producers how products work. It's because they've studied them and learned them. They have conversations with the insurance company reps. They didn't just show up and wing it. They studied. Now, if you're a new agent, we encourage you get in that home, man. Make a dial, book an appointment, go see them, call from the home. But by God, start learning, start preparing. You don't have to be prepared now, but you do need to start preparing now. Only make promises that you know you can keep. Show up on time, pay your bills on time, follow through with your commitments. Step eight. This is the eighth of eight. Communicate with a positive mental attitude. Your ability to communicate conveys a message about your personality. I was talking to um, uh, somebody at corporate yesterday, and, and they said, you know, asking a question is not complaining. Like if, you're, if you ask, hey, can I get this report? If you're asking us for us to pull numbers and get you a report, if you're asking the alliance to, to, to pull a report, that's not complaining. That's not being negative. That Nobody's going to hear you ask that question and go, oh, they're just being negative. Nobody's, nobody's going to do that. Matter of fact, if you ask me, I'm going to go, they're actually trying to learn something here. They're trying to, 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 to dig into something here. That's encouraging. Make a conscious decision that you are not going to complain. I complain a lot. Can I get that off my chest? I feel like I complain a lot. I feel like there's people around me that complain a lot more than me. But I do complain a lot. And I, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about it, when I'm focused on it, I can stop myself. But if I just am not conscious of it, <laughs> I'm just, I just all of a sudden it pops in my mind. Wow, I really do complain a lot. I need to stop complaining. Quit whining, Fitz. Communicating in a positive manner will lure people into your business. You know, I, I remember seeing a, a demonstration one time. This, uh, this trainer had a, a beautiful woman up on stage with him, and he said, watch her face. Everybody just watch her face. He said, uh, your beauty can stop the hands of time. And you can just see her kind of smile a little bit. He said, now watch this one. You got a face that could stop a 10-day clock. <laughs> he said, I don't know what a 10-day clock is, but did you see her face? Like, there's two different ways of saying the same thing. Either way, how she looks stopped time. One seemed more like a compliment. And the other one seemed like an insult. So it, it doesn't matter what you're saying so much as it matters how you're saying it. We talked about earlier communication. 93% is nonverbal. You need to practice saying things. One of the best salesmen I know uh, ever is my friend Ian, who 
uh, was a, a cattle feed nutritionist, one of the number one, number one in the state of Texas. And I used to hop in his truck every now and then and go run his routes where he'd go to ranches and he'd go to feed stores. And we're riding down the road out in East Texas and he's practicing his jokes. I always thought he was the wittiest person I'd ever met until I rode with him in his truck for a day running his appointments and realized he just practices this stuff. He's not that witty. That doesn't come off the top of his head. My friend, Stephen Davies, that dude's funny. He's practicing that stuff all the time, all the time. He's intentionally funny. So you, you, need, to, you need to practice saying things because the better you can say things, the more people are going to want to be around you. If, if you always make them feel bad, they don't want to be around. Why don't my people stick around? They don't like you. That maybe is hard, but it's true. Now, the good news is you can change that and make yourself more likable. Choose the proper medium to communicate, email, text, phone calls, in person. I use emails. I use texts for informational purposes. I don't have heart-to-hearts over that. I mean, I was talking yesterday with an agent, and, uh, hey, so Fitz, let's say you text this guy uh, off a list, and he's interested in what you're doing, and, and he starts asking you questions about what you sell and all that sort of stuff. What do you do? I send him a link to get on my calendar. I don't get into a lot of hiring conversations via text. And, and if they don't want a book, well, that's fine. I've still got 1,000 people on this list to call, and there's still Craigslist and ZipRecruiter ads I can run. I don't need to hire you, but I'm not going to be baited into having a conversation over email or text that I don't want to have over email or text. If you need to have a heart-to-heart, it's in person. It's on the phone. Maybe use Zoom so they can see your face while you're doing that as opposed to just an email. Emails and text, the written word I have found for me, I always receive it in whatever mood I'm in. So if I'm in a good mood and somebody sends me a hard email, I may read it as they're being funny because I'm in a good mood. If I'm in a bad mood and they send me a happy text, I may read it that they're being sarcastic and it pisses me off. I don't want to take that gamble on something important. That's why we have live conversations. Not all communication is positive, but all communication can be delivered in a positive manner. Some things, I mean, uh, one of my favorite books, Good to Great, Jim Collins, you got to face the harsh realities. You can talk about the harsh realities in a positive way right? You don't have to, oh, life sucks. Nobody wants to be around that. Nobody wants to be around that. Don't dump your problems. Learn how to identify problems, communicate possible solutions. Any idiot can identify problems. Any idiot. The people who can come up with solutions are the ones who make the most money in this world and are the most liked. (laughs) Personal appearance also conveys attitude. How you dress, how you, listen, you know, there's not, there's not a certain look you have to have but you do need to come across clean, right? Like if you have facial hair, that's fine. Keep it in order, right? I mean, I like to have some separation between my eyebrows. I'm, I'm one who grows a unibrow. So I'm routinely, real quick, or I'm plucking. I'm, I'm, I, my wife will tell you, I pull hair out of my ears. Why? Because not everybody likes, you know, a wig coming out of your earlobe. So it's not, not everybody likes that. And I don't, I don't want to run the risk of offending somebody that doesn't like it right? So I, I, I do that. Dress nice. You know, if you look like a bum, just okay, be around people who are okay with you looking like a bum. But if you're out there running appointments, don't look like a bum. You're meeting these people. That's first impressions communicate everything, everything in that first 30 seconds. That's the eight steps. Um, hope that helps. It's uh, nobody is ever a hundred percent on the eight steps ever. Uh, there's always something to work on. There's always some place that you're succeeding. There's always some place that you're failing. Uh, what I have found is it's just nice to have them in front of me and remind myself of um, 
what a standard is that I can try to live up to. How about that? I uh, hope that helps. Talk to you later. See you guys. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.